0: Welcome to the Pinelander Podcast, the official podcast of Pineland, broadcasting to you from an undisclosed location deep inside Pineland, where we discuss faith, family, finances, firearms, freedom, food, and everything else in between with those who believe in living free and living out the values that made this country free. everybody. Welcome to the Pine Lander Podcast. My name is Paul DeFaver. I'm here with my ranger buddy Mike Blackburn. And today is Friday, 15 July 2022. Uh, We are just trucking through this uh, year. Uh, It's, uh, I think, statistically halfway done. Uh, And we are privileged. We are privileged to actually get one of our authors back onto the podcast, uh, Pete Crittenden. Uh, who had a hot podcast, uh, episode 21, Survival Mindset. That came out on the 29th of April. If you haven't heard that yet, after you listen to this, make sure you hit that.
1: Treat yourself.
0: Yes. So in addition to having the uh, late night FM radio voice uh, and being a barrel-chested freedom fighter uh, and uh, an expert in the field of survival... uh, Pete Crittenden is also the author of Survival Survival Mindset. Let's see if I can get that out. Uh, of course, we're privileged to offer this book uh, through Blacksmith Publishing, uh, and it is subtitled a guide on what to do when things go wrong. And so, Pete, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank from- you very
2: much. Always a pleasure.
0: Yeah, and uh, it's excited. I'm excited because you have so many things. Uh, when, you know, we are privileged to host this, but I learn a lot every podcast. I'm getting something and you, they say you learn a lot when you, uh, you teach. I learn a lot when I listen to uh, experts like you. And, uh, today, uh, we are, I think we're going to be looking at survival, uh, in the survival mindset, uh, category. And we're looking at personal security, situational awareness, something like that. Is that right, Pete?
2: Um, yes, sir. That's, uh, uh, at least one third of the, the subject that's covered in the book.
0: Kind of an important topic so that you don't become a statistic, right? <laughs> kind of a big exactly deal. Right. Uh, and just before you get started, something I always like to say is when I go out of the house, I'm a one man PSD. I'm the guy that, uh, is head on a swivel, staying in the yellow looking at, uh, potential threats, uh, scanning the environment, uh, looking at, uh, behavioral patterns, looking at, uh, baselines, anomalies, all that good stuff. And I I know that you're going to add a lot, uh, to that type of, uh, mindset.
2: Um, yes, well, quite, uh, you and I of course have a similar background. We served together over there in Stuttgart at one point, um, in the, uh, uh the commanders in extremist force yeah, and buddy. as part of that training um we were absolutely the eyes and ears on the ground in a lot of dangerous neighborhoods um and uh we always had a tremendous situational awareness our radar was on our uh you know we were on high alert and of course that's part of the nature of the game is our job to observe but it was also um the fact that we were armed now let's take that into the uh into the situation of your average um uh your average citizen your average person you may or may not be armed and it may or may not be to your advantage to be armed uh you know and heaven forbid you ever have to use a weapon because then suddenly you've got a very complex situation um but people do ask me um you know what is it that i do i i have to go into a sketchy neighborhood uh, I have to stop at the gas station, um, and I mean, you know, what happens if I'm encountered, you know, by a pair of thugs or something? And the the answer is uh, not easy. Uh, first of all, I'd say if you don't have to be there, that's the best thing. So one of the tricks of the trade that we used to practice in Europe in in uh, challenging environments over there never let the gas tank go under half yeah that way you're not running low in the bad part of town um so so you know if you're not there then of course uh bad you know evil cannot come to you okay so let's say for whatever reason you are in a challenging uh environment you've got your radar on you've got to be aware uh what's going on in your surroundings 360 degrees and up but of course you don't want to be turning your head over your your the back of your shoulder every five minutes and looking like you're like something that doesn't belong there Um, you don't want to the old thing of being in a new city and looking all around and you stand out as a guy from out of town that's what you want to avoid another thing to do is uh the cell phone nowadays a lot of people are on the smartphone continually even as they're walking down the street bad uh bad practice right there because while you're doing it you're focused on the smartphone i'm surprised we're not seeing more people uh have those things snatched out of their hands uh the advice under those circumstances is if you must consult your smartphone Uh, Go into uh, a sanctuary area, uh, like a coffee shop, a hotel lobby, a bank lobby, uh, a a large uh, business of some type. Um, And then, you know, go to where you got your back against the wall and uh, you can consult your uh, smartphone in relative uh, safety. Hey, Pete,
0: Um, uh, I just wanted to, uh, and that's a a great point. I just wanted to exfoliate myself just for a second. Uh, I was kind of tarted out when I was driving and I think I could say that these days, but uh, I was in Uganda and uh, I was definitely not doing what you were just saying. I was totally spaced out. Uh, I was riding shotgun. I had my cell phone in my hand. The door was not locked. And then uh, as we kind of queued up to go through a red light, uh, this joker just came out of the woods, opened the door and then tried to grab my cell phone. And he would have gotten it had I not punched him in the hand repeatedly, uh, and you know then the light turned and we kind of gunned it with the guy halfway yeah. out of the door. But uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, that I mean, if you per, you can you know, prevention is the best cure. You know, thinking through those you know red hatting this stuff. That's that's a great point. Well, I'll tell you something that I. You know, thought of, and it's this you know, we've all had that friend,
1: you know, that guy that comes in and he, he's like, man, you won't believe what just happened. You know, and he, go, he goes into this crazy story and they're, and they're awesome to hang out with these dudes because they've always got these crazy events that happen to them. And I, of course, I'm sitting here thinking, am I square or something? There's nothing exciting that ever happens in my life. But this guy <laughs> seems to like have high adventure every weekend. And what you realize real quick is and listen, we've all had that guy, right? It's like, hey, I yeah. wonder hey, what did what was Joe up to, you know, last weekend? Because I know it's some crazy story, you know, it has it involves yeah. liquor and, and nudity and a dog and, and all kinds of different things. And 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 what you realize is really what you touched on, which is, you know, if you if you back that story up to where it begins, and it kind of begins, you know, sort of, you know, innocent. But You're sitting there thinking, man, I never would have even been at that place.
0: Yeah, And that's, you know,
1: but they always start like, wow, man, I mean, that's, I mean, that's why nothing exciting has happened to me because, you know, I don't, I don't go there. And you really kind of brought that up. It's like the first thing you got to really be thinking about is, is, is where, where are you going and what kind of place is that? I mean, you know, you're setting yourself up for failure right off the get go without even thinking about, you know, how you're getting there, where you're going, why you're going there, what time are you going there? Um, what type of alert level do you need to be at that at that location? A lot of this stuff, right?
2: Well, sooner or later, you can't avoid it. You're going to go to interfaces. Sooner or later, um, you're going to go through an airport. And the most dangerous part of the airport is when you're emerging in a brand new country and leaving the airport and getting some kind of transportation because you can set yourself up for failure that way. True. You know, and so what you want to do is you want to arrange your transportation prior to arrival. Mm. And the person who comes up and says, I'm your transportation, don't go with him immediately. Ask him where he's going to take you. Yeah, because a common scam is a bad actor goes to the airport. He looks at the guy holding up the sign. It says for Mr. Peter. So he writes down Mr. Peter and gets in front of the line. And he'll apprehend, you know, myself, and take me. Now I'm with the wrong guy. Yeah. That is an actual yeah. scam. Okay, so you know, sooner or later, you have to go through interfaces, and you have to be aware of scams. Um, don't take the little green taxi in Mexico City. Mm. Those are the taxis for the Mexican people. Don't get in those taxis. Okay. Uh, likewise, if you arrive in Bangkok. And you're at the airport have a plan for how you're going to get downtown it's a long way to get downtown to your hotel don't be taking the little tuk-tuks or the local taxis until you're familiar with where you're going and you know how to tell them where you want to go and what you want to pay in thai they barter they don't use the meter they hate that so you know these are situational awareness things that you have to know but you're right you know sooner or later you're going to be in an interface sooner or later you're in the car and you have to look at your cell phone just Mm -hmm. remember when you're in the car if you're not the driver you're the co-driver so you want to avoid the laptop and the cell phone as much as possible be another set of eyes and ears be a a co-navigator know where you are at all times and where in the city you have to go to get out of where you're from if things go bad yeah Know the general layout of the city,
1: and yeah, these That's, these are smart yeah. things too. I'm I'm yeah. sitting there thinking, man, I need to be doing that even in the states. I mean, <laughs>
0: absolutely. This yeah. was, uh, I mean, you you remember that, uh, Pete? We would color code. Uh, we actually had uh, we gave the streets in Sarajevo, uh, you know, code names, and yeah. then we had like little code mm-hmm. uh, coded dots, and you, you know, we we knew we were passing said location, and we could use a code to pass that, but. Yeah, we knew the town that we operated yeah. in, and that—that's really your point, which is great. I mean, a lot of people they just come and go to their house; they go the same same way, and then they, you know, they're totally, you know, shocked uh, that somebody has set up an ambush. Yeah, and they just don't they have no essay. Yeah, absolutely. That's a
2: very good point. I live out in the country. Okay, uh, there's just a degree of security by being far away from people, but I always go and come back a different way out of habit just for that reason. And that goes all the way back to the Rogers uh, Rangers rules. If Mm. you go one way, you come back a different way. So they saw you go. They're not setting up an ambush. Uh, No, I'm I'm not paranoid. They are out to get me. Uh, No, seriously, I I do that for a couple of reasons. I like to have my finger on the pulse of, you know, the patterns of activity that's happening in my area here. And by taking different roads and going all around, you know, establishing that giant flower petal pattern, I'm doing an area recon, even if I'm just going up the street for a a loaf of bread and a quart of milk.
0: Mm. Yeah. I mean, you can be lazy and just win the lotto and become a statistic. I mean, because I don't know how many times that, uh, you know, you just get in your car and you Somehow the car arrives to where you're going. You forgot all the turns you made and the lights you went through, and but then yeah, if you something happened and you know you just that's what people are counting on. Well, I think you know you touched on something too,
1: which is you know you develop these things are just like second nature to you. Mm. Um, for those yeah. for those out there that you know think everything is fine, they don't need to worry about anything. They could just you know play on the phone all day. Uh, it's going to take a little bit of training. I mean, you're going to have to start kind of leaning that way. If you're, you know, if you really want to take advantage of this, you know, excellent advice, just start out, just trying different routes home, you know, try, try not to be time and place predictable. Um, and then, and then try something else once you get that, but you really have to kind of develop some habits of good habits of kind of, uh, being alert and and aware. Hmm.
2: Exactly. And look for patterns. And, um, also be aware of what's happening on the street. Um, they they taught this in the individual terrorist awareness course in, in the army. Um, they talked about General Dozier who was kidnapped in, um, in uh, Verona, Italy, mm. uh, back in 79, uh, I believe it was, uh, kidnapped by Red Brigade yeah. uh, communist terrorists. And um, for three days, he was aware that there were people sitting on a park bench opposite his apartment house he saw the surveillance he did nothing about it mm. okay the uh the terrorists came to his apartment the day before posing as plumbers and his wife let them in in never mind the fact there was no call for a plumber no word from the landlord they came in and they paced out they reconned the whole apartment they knew what it looked like before they went in, and that's something they do—they rehearse. Now that's a very extreme experience. Um,
0: yeah, just not picking up principles. on the, Yeah, the yeah uh, uh, the baselines, not picking up on on. Uh, yeah, and then maybe a degree of uh, complacency yeah. on the general's part, uh, maybe just arrogance, yeah. perhaps too. Yeah. You know. Could, well, he wasn't
2: out, yeah. thinking. He wasn't thinking the way we have been taught to think since then Mm. for example that uh tradesman's van across the street you know the the plumber or what have you if he's sitting there eating his lunch for three or four hours he's not eating his lunch and he's not a plumber Mm. that's you know so you pay attention to these uh to these patterns and uh see you know what means something to you and then you take uh you take precautions uh, accordingly
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really, it's sort of a healthy dose of paranoia. And and today you really need to have that because it's, it's uh, you know, I mean, you can just go to YouTube, type yeah. in uh, gas station assault or just something, whatever, okay? I mean, it seems like every day we're inundated with these uh, videos of, you know, just a guy there hanging out pumping, you know, fuel in his car and, and and getting, you know, mugged or the car being stolen or whatever. And it's just like what you were talking about. If you're looking at the video, you can see these guys coming. Uh, you know, a mile away, they don't look right. They look like they're you know getting in position around you. And this yeah. guy's just—he's oblivious.
2: Yeah, it's uh, it certainly is a challenge. Now, um, before I talk about firearms, because that's a whole you know area all into itself, uh, I will mention that I was taught from an early age long ago always have something in your hand whether it's an umbrella some kind of a stick a rolled up newspaper even Mm. a a newspaper you rolled around a stick you know a heavy stick something like a cut down axe handle you know that way you've always got a weapon yeah man and uh and then you know know how to use something like an axe handle it's not just used to swing but you can like use it like a pool cue and poke it straight in somebody's face. There's no defense against that. Nobody can see that coming. Um, so there's that. Uh, now as far as firearms go, I've been carrying here in the United States, um, since the, you know, since a early age, um, well over 35 years in some of the most dangerous environments in the United States, Berkeley, California, uh, Philadelphia, uh, Fayetteville North Carolina and I've never had to even you know display the weapon okay because when you're carrying you've got super situational awareness because the last thing you want to do is you know heaven forbid actually shoot somebody because then you got a body on your hands yeah lots of paperwork yes yeah um and and for that reason I actually carry insurance in case I do shoot somebody I've got legal insurance um to to cover myself that's a whole other category there Uh, they provide training in that at uh, uh, various consultants provide training in that Um, I have however been approached by a weirdo at a gas station and I did advise him you know buddy let me just tell you something (laughs) I've got a 1911 you know with uh, eight really good reasons why you just need to back (laughs) off And uh, you know, the the yeah. look on the guy's face and he's backing off, you know, end of conversation. That's as that's as hairy as it's gotten for me here in the United States, thank God.
0: Yeah, you're like I don't mind spending a little bit of extra money on you, friend. These bullets yeah. cost more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: I've been around uh I've been around some folks that um, were able to take a bad situation and completely um, get out of it, okay, with with, with wicked skill, um, and where, where they didn't have to, you know, engage them with a firearm or whatever. And that's something that, I mean, you bring up, and it's really kind of important, but you have to, I think, some role playing and some uh, thinking through things like that uh, are useful. Uh, something as simple as, uh, hey, buddy, if I give you some money, would you go get me some coffee and, and yourself some as well? And that throws people off. And there's just weird things that I've seen people do that uh, completely diffuse the situation.
2: Uh, where That's the guy, not a bad approach right there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've seen some stuff where it's just like, uh, wow, you know, and these guys were doing protective security for, you know, whatever, news media, whatever. And they were just able, instead of uh, actually doing like bodyguard and having to get physical or threatening, they were able to, um, just like you do with a kid, I suppose, right, just kind of, change the topic, you know, the misdirection and and off you're in and you're gone.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, Precisely. Uh, Back to uh, some of the other control measures uh, that you you, uh, need to be considering short of any kind of confrontation like that. Um, Know the layout of the town that you're in. Do a little map reconnaissance before you go out. Know where north, south, east, and west is. Where are the major uh, uh, avenues and boulevards? Which way do they go? And which ones are which? And uh, which ones lead to, say, areas of sanctuary? Which might be out of town. It might be the airport. It might be the embassy uh, uh, district. Uh, the hotels. The you know the. In South America, they have the Zona Rosa, which is sort of like a safety area, the party area, the the uh, cafes, uh, restaurants, nightclubs, and major hotels. Um, and then figure out what are your handrails. What do you not? Where do you not want to go? Mm. How do you tell which way is north when you're in a city? And I'll tell you one way you can do it in. Uh, many, many countries in the developing world, you'll see those satellite dishes all on the sides of apartment buildings and everything. Which way do they point? Wow. They all point south in the northern hemisphere. Mm. So even if you can't see the that's sun and the stars. Was like, that.
0: that was some 40-pound brain yeah, stuff right there, Pete. <laughs> that's good. I'm gonna um, so, that I'm gonna use that uh, the next class and just
2: make yeah, you know, look think
0: I, you know, came up with it myself. Sure. That's awesome.
2: Um, and then on top of that, think of what you need. If you're getting into a vehicle, let's say it's your uh, rental vehicle, might be a good idea to check they've got a spare tire in there, mm. um, yeah. and the the equipment that goes with it. You know, for self recovery. And in many countries, a first aid kit is required in an automobile. Does your vehicle have a first aid kit? And do you have a first aid kit? Most Um, people don't. I don't think people
0: need to think through those things. Yeah. Exactly. These are things our dads used to do.
2: That's right.
0: You know, and then, you know, my dad did. I know your dad did. And then over time, it's like, uh, eh, we're so
2: Well, we're getting back into the time where, uh, you know, life is challenging again. We're getting closer and closer to the kind of environment that existed in the United States during the Great Depression. That's right. Yeah. And I so tell a true. story, I think I read this in a book by Studs Terkel. And it goes like this, um, the, the farmer's lady was recounting the story, the farmer's wife, that during the depression, people would come to the door and ask for food. You know, uh, uh, just, uh, vagrants, you know, people who were wandering around because uh, there were a lot of them. And they would ask her food and she would say come around to the back and she'd prepare them a dish of food and she'd take it to them and one time a guy came and he said do you have any food i haven't eaten in two days she goes go to the back porch and i'll bring you something she brings him a, you know a, a plate of potato and stew and pieces of bread and a cup of coffee and uh, he's sitting there on the porch eating that she comes back in about uh, 20 minutes she says how's everything going and the guy's sitting there with his back to her and he holds up the co- cup of coffee, says, The coffee's cold. And she said, Just one moment. She comes back with the shotgun and says, Get the hell out of here. <laughs> nice. And you have yeah. to be like that yep. because the guy is now becoming aware she's home alone. The men are out in the fields. Oh, yeah. And it's a hard world. Yep. And it's getting harder all the time. Well, a shotgun is a really good persuader. Yeah. That's you true. don't have to use it. You just have to display it. Nobody wants that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And people were way politer back in the 1930s than they are now.
2: Yeah. Well, yes and no. We They just didn't keep as many statistics. So we don't know how many, you know, extreme circumstances and situations went down. Nowadays, we do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. Yep. Yeah, the, uh, something else that you, that you said that struck me is because uh, uh, you have, you know, I don't know about you guys, but my wife oftentimes is driving around by herself. Um, yeah. And now my wife is, uh, she's packing heat. So, uh, but a lot of wives don't. And so that's uh, this is you know some good stuff. These are good tips to pass on to our wives to increase their survivability when they're going to say just to fill up at the gas pump. You know, there's there's pain at the pump. We don't need to add yeah. to it with some thugs. So just uh, something like that could uh, mean the difference. Yeah.
2: Um, Absolutely. Helpful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Helpful hints. Uh, helpful hints for uh, for various family members like with your kids and what have you. Are some some things that are like that easy to teach that uh, that would help uh, some of the young folks that are still in school age?
2: Um, young folks are school age. Well, it's, uh, there's a lot more anxiety out there uh, with the the youngsters these days. Uh, I'm quite sure um, than it was in 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 our generation um, because of what you see on TV, on the media. Yeah, our, our,
1: um, our big thing, I think, was, uh, you know, tucking. I mean, we used to get under the desk and, you know, cover our, our heads or whatever. You remember that with the old uh, Cold War uh, threat of nuclear... You know, Thermonuclear
2: war. I stuff. never understood what the purpose was. I thought it was an earthquake drill. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, didn't, you, you, I didn't know it had anything you, to do with you an atom bomb. You weren't,
1: you weren't supposed to think too much about it because, yeah. you know, the other thing too is that that, that little desk that we had wasn't going to be protecting you much against anything, but it was a, an exercise. Um, you know, it was just something that I guess to make everyone feel like at least they were doing something,
0: mm.
1: uh, whether it was useful or not, but. Today, of course, that's not the threat. The threat now, I guess, on every kid's mind is probably some, you know, some kid that, uh, you know, is just going to go berserk and, and, and storm to school. So,
2: Well, then you have to ask, how common is that? Well, not very. Well, common. let's see. Yeah, we've got a population of about 335 or more million people in the United States. And... In the course of a year, approximately 40,000 gun deaths. Mm-hmm. Of those, half of them are suicides. Um, about 25% of them are legitimate shootings, law enforcement, security, or hunting accidents. So that means we got about 10,000 uh, gun deaths, which are criminal homicide. Most of those are gang related, gangster on gangster, criminal on criminal type shootings like what we see reported in Philadelphia, Baltimore, Chicago, New York, uh, where, you know, hundreds and thousands are dying uh, over the course of a year. Uh, So that leaves a very tiny amount are these mass shootings that capture everybody's attention but statistically, what are the odds it's going to happen to you? Okay. Um, so that should reassure a person, but that doesn't mean you don't want to prepare. Well, what can you do to prepare? Well, they talk about, um, run, hide or fight. And that is actually, you know, good guidance run. If you're not there, they can't get you. Okay. Well, what if you can't run? If you can barricade that door, statistically, it's shown, the studies of these events have shown the shooter will go path of least resistance, go to the next place yeah. and and fight. Um, that's a very personal decision. Um, there was a corporation, I worked at it for a while. I was uh, part of the security uh, consulting of uh, an international travel assistance firm. And we decided to make a security plan for what if we have a uh, an active shooter within... Our uh, office, and generally it was like this: everybody else hide under your desks. Us security guys are going to advance on the threat and attack him with uh, furniture, office furniture, because according to the rules, we weren't allowed to carry mm. in the office. Well, very quickly you figured that's stupid <laughs> because <laughs> you know if there's ever one of these events, we're going to go ahead and carry, you know. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, but that was a personal decision and nobody was we all knew we were doing it. And nobody talked about it. Um, and but seriously, uh, the concept of just attacking and fighting using furniture as weapons, you know, in a channelized in building interior environment, you can blindside a gunman. Okay. Um, barricading the door there's different kinds of devices there's wedges there's all kinds of things it's easy to make a wooden wedge that can be jammed under a door and that door cannot move Mm, especially if you're using some kind of rubberized coating on that wedge uh you can put anchor bolts into cinder block walls with a cable around it that goes around the doorknob Mm. now the bad guy cannot come in um so you know there's there's things you can do to harden the target and, um, uh, you know, public policy is struggling with the concept of having armed security inside the schools everywhere where they've had an incident and there's armed security, it's resolved very quickly. So to me, that's a no brainer, but, uh, it's an emotional issue out there in the general public.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Israel, um, doesn't have school shootings.
2: Yeah, precisely. Yep. And they've got an active threat.
0: They do. And uh, yeah. now, uh, Pete, I know that there's other things you could do, like, uh, you know, you're going to a restaurant and, you know, obviously uh, just back up the uh, from the actual attack. Uh, you know, you, what comes to mind is that scene, uh, obviously, you know, uh, uh, the Born identity. You know, he's looking at, looking around the restaurant and looking at things that could be used as weapons and stuff like that. So obviously you would you would uh maybe you could talk maybe just talk that through like what how guys should be looking at their environment when they enter that
2: well kind of just that's uh that that's um interesting that you should point that out um i was stationed in okinawa and over there we're fully immersed in the uh oriental martial arts and uh I mean, we were developing these uh, mystical samurai mindsets, right? And there was an ex- yeah. I mean, you got deep into it. I was there for four years. Yep. And what you do after a while? We had an exercise where you're in a room, and this is a, a personal uh, training thing. And you're looking at the objects around you, and uh, the common objects, and what can be used as a weapon. Ashtrays used to be common. You don't see them so often. Mm. Glass ashtray is wow. a missile. Yeah, you know? I need to get hit with um, that. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Bar stools. I've personally cleaned out a couple of saloons with bar stools. Excellent weapon. It gives you standoff. <laughs> a guy can't fight you when you're pushing a bar stool in his chest. Wow. And I'd rather do that than exchange blows to the head, you know? That's right. Yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. So we used to do that exercise uh, precisely. But also, you know, us snake eaters, we're notorious for going into a restaurant, sitting with our back against the wall, eyes on the front door, That's right. you know? I mean, it's, and you know, it's, it's that whole thing. We're not paranoid. They are out to get us. Yeah, absolutely. We do that. Um, uh, And it makes good sense, but of course you got to know where's the escape route behind you. And that would be through the kitchen, of course. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. kitchen of course is full of weaponry also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I
0: mean, I, and you just, you know, kind of, uh sp- spitball in here, you obviously are going to increase your survivability, you know, umpteen fold by just kind of taking stock of where you're at. Just basic yeah. essay. Uh, and then cause exactly. most people like you, you started off saying are just scrolling through their cell phone. They got their face and, and that's just on a little bit of an aside here. Hey guys, when you go uh, out to dinner with your wife, put the phone away and just talk to her. And yeah. uh, because, uh, she needs to know you, you give a crap and if you're playing with that phone, it's just—it's uh, like you might as well not have gone out, anyway. But as you're scrolling that phone, uh, you know you, what situation awareness can you really have? You know, you've got exactly, yeah.
2: exactly. While you're on the phone, your situational awareness is zero. And beyond the relationship part of that advice, is your job when you're out with your loved ones is you're the alpha wolf. Yeah, and you got to act like the alpha wolf. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, yeah,
0: that's, that's the one man, PTS, uh, on oh, that PTSD. <laughs> there you go. That's a, That's another the one man. PSD with PTSD. <laughs> nice, man. That's Yeah, good. but
2: absol- absolutely. That's, uh, that, that's quite right. You know, you yeah. want to have that, you want to have that 360 degrees and up going, uh, nice. you're in a public place and the likelihood that anything's going to happen is almost nil. Uh, but if it does, that one second, that one split second that you've got where, you know, it gives you a, a, a great advantage, hmm. um, you know, uh, forewarned is forearmed.
0: That's
2: it. Let's talk about vehicles. Yes. Um, because we're in and out of vehicles all the time as part of the modern condition and more often than not, we're driving. All right. Um, There was an event in what was it, Ferguson, Missouri, the hands up, don't shoot event, which actually that didn't happen as hands up, don't shoot the perpetrator. The young man um, was for whatever reason, assaulting a police officer who was in the car, seated in the car and reaching in and trying to get uh, the firearm right.
0: Yeah, no big deal.
2: Off off the cop, which is kind of stupid. It was was just, it defied logic, whatever. Uh, It ended up with the young man uh, being shot and killed. And then, of course, we had all the political fallout and all the craziness that emerged after that. The real tragedy is that young man would still be alive today. It it didn't require engaging with a firearm. You got somebody coming from outside the vehicle reaching in. Why don't you just hit the gas? Take your foot off the brake and hit the gas. Yeah. You yeah. know? And then he'd just be doing that's somersaults a, down the road, you know, it's That's a great point,
0: uh, too, Pete, is uh, most people don't know that, you know, the, the vehicle is a weapon. Absolutely you know, it's as, a weapon. As, uh, you know, I, I exfoliated myself at the beginning with, you know, I, I'm completely, you know, not – I have no SA face in the screen – Somebody grabs the cell phone and the gas with a combination of, uh, you know, punches to the hand, uh, you know, disloc- dislodges the grip. Uh, so absolutely. Yeah, the car is a, a weapon.
2: The, when you're behind the wheel of an of a automobile, an SUV, uh, a, a truck, you're behind the wheel of a weapon that's killed more people than the atom bomb. Yeah, You have to bear that in mind.
0: Yeah, we're not even talking Mad Max here. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to go beyond Thunderdome. I mean, uh, yeah, I just think... uh, Now, I mean, I hate to say this, but uh, maybe I should. Anyway, maybe I shouldn't. But in Haiti, in the Haitian vacation, uh, that often happened. We had guys be in the wrong place at the wrong time and get hit by a cut V. And, uh, you know, their body just uh, flying... uh, but yeah, just the idea of uh, knowing that that the gas pedal, you, you know, that is a line of defense. You, know, you can egress. You can uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, just, just the idea. Anyone that uh, has training knows uh, the amount of uh, force placed at just the right place can pit a car. Yeah, you know, so and, and I
1: think um, you know most of us probably train you know teach our kids how to drive. But you know the one things you know we that we usually teach our children is. Um, you know, making sure you have a way out. You know, don't get your bumper all up on the, the car in front of you. You know, always be looking right. for your exit. Yeah, Uh looking around, you know what's going on. The cars uh, behind you. Uh, be noticing str- strange behavior. Uh Hey, no need for the road rage. Just let the crazy guy go. Okay, you don't need to confront them. Just uh, get out of their way. They're they, they're busy. They got someplace they're going anyway. A soldier late for work. Yeah, whatever. You know. But, um... we,
2: we used to, uh, I, I put, I actually covered that in the book. Um, we used to train, you were there, I'm sure, Paul, uh, you know, with our vehicle uh, teams and um, civilian vehicles. The first thing you do is open the hood and disconnect the sensor for the airbags, which is right in front mm-hmm. of the radiator. Mm-hmm. Okay. The next thing is um, with, a, with a vehicle, what's going to stop it or impede its progress let's see here that would be um if the radiator is somehow you know punctured uh now the vehicle will eventually overheat and then it's going to stop it'll lock up so you you have to be very cognizant of your radiator the the fenders and the quarter panels around the wheels if they crumple onto the tires, at some point you don't have tires. Well, you've got six to nine inches of air on your quarters, on the the corners of the of an average sedan, and then the other guy has got six to nine inches. So that's somewhere between twelve to eighteen inches that you can you can use on either side of your car if you have to squeeze between two cars. Never mind, you know, scratch the uh, body paint, it'll buff out. Um, so when you're at the stop sign, you give yourself at least half a body, a car uh, length. Excuse me, uh, half a car length between yourself and the car in front. But you're also looking. How can I squeeze out of here? I can jump that uh, that island to my left and get into the oncoming traffic and drive through them. They'll get out of my way. I can squeeze through uh you know the vehicles to my right you have to be thinking that way you don't want to be trapped because when you're at a stoplight Mm -hmm. bad stuff can come towards you um i'm aware of a situation happened uh in south san francisco in a very rough part of town and uh a a friend of mine was driving down there and he stopped there's a crosswalk and uh there was a a I think it was a stop sign. And, uh, you know, the the passers-by, the inhabitants of that area, they're kind of the uh, challenged part of town. That's a politically correct way for me to say it. And, boom, kicked the side of his car and fell down. Mm -hmm. So, of course, he gets out of the car like an idiot. Uh, He gets swarmed, and they're beating on him, right? This uh, big, large, black gentleman, huge guy, comes up and is pulling kids off of him throwing them aside saves his life picks him up just says to him don't ever get out of your car in this part of town puts him back in his car saved his life um Mm -hmm. yeah so uh situational awareness he would have possibly known this was a setup of some kind yeah yeah you know because he's at a complete stop so why should if it, it appears like there's a noise, a bump, and somebody falls down. Why on earth would he get out? Mm, right. It didn't make sense, yeah. but he did. Yeah. So maybe um, it was a setup. Well, that sort of thing happens. That sort of thing happens in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, there's various streets around there where you cruise down that street doing the speed limit, which is 25 miles per hour, and they'll dump a refrigerator in front of your car. Mm. And uh, now what do I do? Well, you've... Plow right through that sucker, you know. You're being set up for an ambush. Plow right through that. Do not stop.
0: That's right. Get off the
2: X. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Exactly. Get off the
0: X. It's like uh, something that I'm kind of hearing you say too, Pete. Is uh, having the situational awareness that is going to uh, increase your survivability. Is it's like a a balance between being uh, paranoid and just present of mind. Uh, Just kind of being switched on. Not so much, you know, uh, jittery and paranoid. I mean, it's like a, yeah. I guess there's a good paranoid. I guess is what I'm saying.
2: Well, again, like they say, you know, it's <laughs> you're not paranoid if they are out to get you. Uh, yeah, you don't. It, paranoia is uh, some kind of uh, uh, I don't know psychosis or something. Yeah, probably That's not where the, people have probably a, not the right an word. An irrational fear. Yeah. We're yeah. not talking irrational fear. We're talking uh, a positive thing. Right. A complete a complete uh uh situational awareness really yeah. because um we're the trained individuals
1: yeah
2: you know and because we're trained we have an inherent responsibility people are going to be looking to us and uh of course that inherent responsibility and that training can work both ways because sooner or later you're going to be in a court case and they're going to say, well, because you were trained, you know, this didn't have to happen or whatever. Let the lawyers fight that one out. Mm. Um, I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by six. Yes,
0: yes sir. well said, sir. Yeah, so that gives you, uh, so let's see, you've got uh, gas stations, we've got cars, we've got restaurants. What else could we, uh, how else we can, can we flesh out this topic, Pete?
2: Well, let's think about vacation. Okay. People, Americans like to go on vacation and then take a car and drive up to the mountains or what have you. And, um, I, have got a few anecdotes that I've listed in my book. Uh, and the classic one that stands out, I think this was Christmas, 2015. There was a family from, from around here, actually near where I live and they were out West, they were in Las Vegas. And it was the day after Christmas, and they decided they were, you know, husband, wife, and uh, 12-year-old sons, they were gonna go and drive and see uh, the Grand Canyon mm. on December 25th. And so they took off in their car. And they very quickly became aware that uh, there isn't a highway between Las Vegas and the Grand Canyon. It's uh, secondary roads, which quickly become like logging trails. And in the wintertime, they are impassable. And by the time they found out that they, you know, bit off more than they could chew, yeah, uh, they tried to turn around.
0: Yeah, you're like uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, just driving out. Uh, they're doing know, a three-point
2: yeah. turn on a gravel mountain road, mm-hmm. and uh, the rear tire went off the shoulder, and now they're stuck. Whew. And it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and they've got no cell phone signal. And nobody knows that they were going there Mm. because they didn't ask any guidance from the local people. They were going off their little uh, dashboard uh, uh, GPS, which says there's a road, doesn't say anything else about conditions or what have you. And so uh, Mm. there they were. Now, a little bit of preparation and planning and common sense would have been, Go to the people at the front desk of the hotel and ask hey can we get from here to there, they would have been told right away, not in a car you can't not this time of the year. Mm. Okay. Um, At least let somebody know where you're going have a proper map understand the conditions because out West it's completely different than around here. On the eastern seaboard where there's been civilization, since the 1600s and um, so anyhow it was it was a really bad situation, then it got worse they decided at four o'clock in the afternoon, uh, the wife, she was gonna march her way out of there uh, because the husband had a back injury, but she's a triathlete, so she'll be fine. Um, So off she goes, (laughs) right? And this is a true story. Um, I've got the book open. I'm gonna find the name in a moment. Um, And uh, Well, what happened was, Karen Klein, that was her name. She's they're from just uh, about an hour away from me here. Mm. Okay, uh, what happened was uh, the, after she'd left at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, which is bad because night is falling, Yeah. the husband looks at all this high ground around. What do they teach you in the Army when you don't have radio signal? Move to high ground. Yeah, really cool. Right. So he goes to high ground, boom, he gets signal right away you know, an hour and a half into his little misadventure and recovery has come. The, the, uh, local, uh, resources come and picked him up and they got him out of there. Now they have to find her. Mm. They tracked her for 35 hours. There was snowfall, heavy snowfall. They got like mm. something like three feet of snow because there's a bit of altitude there. And, uh, so it's harder to track her. Um, at the end of 35 hours, she was marching day and night. She was hallucinating. She lost a shoe. She ends up, um, finding the entrance to a state park and there's like a uh like a utility shed there and she breaks a window and climbs in it's probably colder on the inside than on the outside and that's where they found her and she was uh she was pretty close to death at that point in time yeah dehydrated frozen everything and, and fortunately she fully recovered the, you know it's a happy ending mm. um yeah the the klein family um of lehigh uh Pennsylvania she's a uh, a professor at the uh at, at a college up there a community college and of course uh her specialty is um survival yeah environmental <laughs> uh environmental studies and outdoor activities and oh, apparently yeah. that is it yeah you can look her up on the on the school's webpage. Yeah, she's, uh she's well a she got an education expert
1: now
0: yeah,
2: <laughs> a, a lot of bad decisions, poor planning, no planning, and um, you know, uh, uh, lack of situational awareness. They didn't even have food, water, or blankets in the car. Ouch! Yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's the miracle. Way
1: I, that's the way I like to learn stuff. I just like to go out there, and just you know, step on it really hard. Yeah. It is
2: the most effective way to learn things. That's true. But the smartest <laughs> way
0: is to learn from other people's mistakes.
1: Right? Yes. 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 Other
2: people's mistakes, right. yeah.
0: Yep. Don't be hurt. Yeah, that, uh, yeah, that, that breaks a lot, of, uh, a lot of major rules of engagement. Um, and it just brings to mind a couple of times where I haven't, uh, you know, back before you had cell phones and, you know, the map and all that, just, you know, hit yeah. something that tells you where to go. You had to actually get the Atlas out. That's right. You yeah. Know? And I had an Atlas in the car. My dad had an Atlas in the car. He planned the route, briefed us on the route. It was very militaristic. Yeah. Uh, you know, he did 26 years in the Navy. He was a Navy chaplain. But, uh, yeah, he thought it through. Um, yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's great advice.
2: And uh, How did uh, we do it? How did we possibly – I remember driving down the road – with, you know, a gas station roadmap unfolded in my lap, my yeah. hands on the wheel, and I'm looking at that and looking at which exits to take. Yeah. How did we do it? I don't know
0: how we did it. <laughs> yeah, they say men can't multitask. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, my dad, he would he would plan the route, but he would never stop and ask for directions. No, we don't do that. That's embarrassing. <laughs> so, yeah, we do have our faults. But, uh, yeah. yeah, one one of them was not planning the route so that's uh absolutely awesome advice and in the day and age where uh as you say in your book uh we're you know we're we're looking at a point where the veneer of civil civil, uh, civilization is kind of becoming thin thin, you said and so things can go from bad to worse at the you know snap of a finger
1: i'm assuming uh pete you recommend that everyone probably has an atlas or something in
0: yeah, uh, did you
1: say an atlas? Yeah, or some kind yeah. of map
0: or something. Something if something something to back up that GPS backups. Man, a pace plan, thinking through. The, I mean, something at least that's not
1: electronic.
0: If you're if you're well, too, absolutely,
2: yeah. yeah, absolutely. Because when they first came out with GPSs in the uh, late '80s, the common rule of thumb was always never rely upon your electronics use it as a backup, track everything graphically the way we do it with map and compass. And the reason being is because the electronics will go down, the battery will die. Uh, Sooner or later, something with the satellite signal is, you know, uh, you know, mitigated. So Mm -hmm. in any case, uh, that was always the concept. Well, they're so reliable nowadays.
0: Yeah. And technology has made us all Lazy. lazy and complacent. And uh, we yeah. think, oh, you know, it's just down the road. And then, yeah, lo and behold, you know, what could go wrong? Uh, the worst. Well, I think know? it's um, it, it's
1: also one of those things that you see with the younger generations is um, most of them just have zero familiarity with maps. Yeah. And, and that's really a shame because, I mean, it's not like they need to be an expert with the map, but uh, do yourself a favor and mm-hmm. throw a map down there and, and teach your kids kind of like, you know, this is a map this is how this is what it looks this is you know the carnal directions you're yeah sort of do old, one here's you know, watch legend. one do one teach one yeah. you know teach them so. what you know terrain if there's train features on it or highways and stuff and get them get them
0: used a, to it i think we have a pretty good book on that yeah uh, <laughs> land navigation well, I mean, from start to later, finish you can you, hit that
2: yeah sooner or later you're going to be a situation where you don't have your electronics what happens when your cell phone The battery on it dies, or somebody Mm. has stolen it, or it's taken a bullet, or what have you. Right? It doesn't work anymore. Or uh, you know, we've had the uh, the uh, the shit hits the uh, rotating ventilator Mm. scenario. There's an EMP pulse, or what have you. When that happens, you can't rely upon electronics anymore. You better understand how a map and compass works, and I wonder about the young generation of Green Berets in the Q course these days because mm. the biggest, to me, the single biggest uh, hurdle was land nav. Mm. Yeah, okay, yeah, all right. Um, it's gotten worse. you know using a yeah. GPS that, that just makes it like uh, you know it's a it's a finger drill. With a map and compass, that was extremely challenging, and we became. Uh, renowned green berets are renowned for their ability to find you know an easter egg in the middle of you know some other country you know uh, we can really you know know our way around and everything it it was part of our trademark skill yeah well i wonder about the younger generation what are they doing because it's so easy to smuggle in a watch that's got a gps on it Mm. and sneak around and use that yeah. Um, if, and, if, and if they're doing that they're only cheating themselves Right, mm-hmm. and,
1: and thank goodness that a lot of the cell reception sucks out of Camp McCall
2: but uh, <laughs> it's, it's
1: fun, it is because I mean these guys usually dime themselves out because mm-hmm. they're like doing circles and it's like their phone's not updating quick enough for them but um, yeah you, you brought up a great point on 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 that in the um, the DOD I just read this article not too long ago. The whole DOD is recognizing this this problem. And I think they're trying to double down on land nav.
0: Oh, yeah.
2: It's a, it's a great skill. And it's a great way to develop all kinds of situational awareness skills. It's, I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, by all means, they should be uh, emphasizing this at all levels of military training. Uh, and civilians can get into it. Of course, there's, uh, different kinds of orienteering clubs and orienteering activities and training programs out there. And uh, I'll just put in a plug for myself. If you want a little bit of training in land nav? Come to me. I've got a plan. I've got it set up. I've got the class one day. I can I can mm-hmm. teach you a, a great deal of skills. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's it, it's a tremendous way of the whole ethos of my book, Survival Mindset, that one aspect of the Q course where you're out there in the woods for a day and a night we do a practice they gave us five days of training beforehand and then some terrain walks and then a day and night practice event and then a day and night test Mm -hmm. and um, it, it covered the better part of two weeks of land nav and in that time you become dialed into your environment so well
0: That's it. I mean, you said it dialed into the environment, uh, not only in land nav, but uh, before you go somewhere, uh, as you're somewhere, uh, keeping your head on a swivel. I mean, these are really good solutions to uh, uncertainty, Pete. And I appreciate uh, you uh, drawing out the nuances of situational awareness and uh, adding personal security in, in different forms. So, a uh, fantastic time. I appreciate you coming on the pa- podcast, my friend. And uh, for uh, just once again, uh, a shout out to Survival Mindset. Okay, It's a book that you should have in your library. Uh, a lot of gems in there. Uh, it's a refresher for some, a uh, whole new things for someone else. So thanks again, Pete, for coming on the podcast.
2: Always a pleasure. And thank you very much for having me. Thanks, Pete.
1: All right, well, we hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode of the Pine Lander Podcast. If you enjoy our content, we hope you'll check out our sponsors, or even better yet, consider donating towards uh, the American Agogi Project. Uh, Blacksmith Publishing has been serving the warrior class since 2013. Blacksmith Publishing has great titles written by warriors for warriors. So if you're looking for a great reference book or just want to unwind in the G-Base with a great novel, be sure to check out the bookstore located at blacksmithpublishing.com. And if you're looking for some cool Pinelander apparel, head on over to the general store located at Pinelander1776.com. Great selection of shirts, hats, jackets, and everything else. That's Pinelander1776.com. And if you're interested in helping uh, develop our country's next generation of warriors, consider the American Agogi Project. You can learn more about it through this podcast's platform at podbean.com. Until our next meeting, remember to keep your head on the swivel, stay mentally and tactically smart, physically and spiritually strong, and socially astute. God bless Pine Land.